It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. One of the best experiences I've had in broadcasting actually was in Tokyo. Uh, second week of the Games, I was lucky enough to be given the kayaking. Um, and I worked with a gentleman by the name of Martin Cross, one of the nicest people you can meet. Uh, Martin was a bronze medalist in 1980 at the Olympics for Great Britain in rowing, and he was a gold medalist in 1984, uh, beating some very good New Zealand crews. Uh, you might be familiar with his voice when you hear him, because if you've been watching the Rowing World Championships over the last week, he has been one of the two voices. He um, also was one of the voices on that, well, one of many great Olympic moments in Tokyo, but arguably the greatest moment, one of the greatest moments in New Zealand sport, certainly, you know, mimicking what happened with the New Zealand Rowing 8 back in 1972, and that was the men's eight winning gold. Um, so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my week and time with Martin. Anytime you're around Olympic champions, it's always a privilege. So I thought I'd get him on tonight just to sort of review and look back on the World Rowing Championships. He joins us on the show. Martin Cross, good evening. Welcome. Good morning. Mark, thank you for that. It's great to be with you again. Boy, that voice brings back some memories, mate. I thought you were great memories. Ma- I was just thinking as you, you were talking about the, the, the commentary there, how much fun that was. Yeah, I always remember sort of meeting you at 10 past five down in the lobby of the hotel and walking to the bus and then getting out to the kayaking venue and doing a bit of research. And I think the toughest days were the days at the kayaking when there's no finals and it's just sort of all the heats and the um, repper charges and there's so many different sort of categories and classes. And then you're really sort of just hanging out for the next day so you can sort of call the medal, call sort of all the finals. Yeah, and then uh, that day when Lisa Carrington came down with, with those uh, th- those multi-gold medals that she won, what what a sensation that was. Yeah, no, really, really special indeed. And of course, Martin, uh, what a wonderful week it was for New Zealand rowing uh, in Tokyo, you know, on a much smaller budget than, say, the might of Great Britain and some of those other big countries. Yeah, the Kiwis were sensational in, in Tokyo. And, um, you know, the, the women's eight was silver, um, Gala, well it was then she's Williams now, Gala and Prendergast with the gold in the women's pair and the New Zealand men's eight in that <clears throat> sensational final um, just snatching gold ahead of Germany and Great Britain and um, marvellous, marvellous uh, showing for the team mm-hmm. So we've just had the Rowing World Championships take part in the Czech Republic um, often after the Olympic Games the sport can change considerably. A lot of experienced heads perhaps resign and you can sort of see a little bit of the changing of the guard and we sort of see countries bringing that next wave through. Was that the case at these World Championships? Yeah, very much so. I think, um, case in point, the British team, uh, you take a look at one of their crews, the men's four, um, it didn't have anyone in that boat who had, represented Britain at senior world championships before. So they were all new guys. They'd been to the under-23s. They'd done well there. But um, 
what they had was this kind of beautiful fluid technique which was really kind of effortless so they were rowing fantastically and um those guys came through and won the gold medal uh, ahead of um three of the olympic champions from australia which was kind of sensational really um they went toe to toe with the australians and then just moved away so the british men in that respect uh new guys coming through and you could see that through the team really particularly um some of the women in the women's four you had uh two women from the four that came forth in tokyo disappointment they they got together with two uh, women who hadn't been to world championships before and they too won the gold so there was a pathway you know i think which british ryan has managed effectively sort of capitalized on all those fourth places in tokyo brought some new talent in and they've, they've emerged at the top of the medal table Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, um, I mean, normally after Olympics, it's a four-year cycle, but it is only going to be a three-year cycle. So how much can we read into the results of this World Championships heading into Paris in 2024, or are things going to change next year, a year on? Yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on with that, Mark. Things are going to change a year on, um, because I, I think specifically a lot of the uh, rowers who competed in Tokyo, they kind of had a long time off and they didn't come back to training, um, you know, quite uh, quickly enough. So you take the guys uh, from the Netherlands, um, you know, gold medalists in the, in the, in the uh, men's quadruple skulls, their, their new crew, pretty much, they hadn't done anything much until Christmas so they had all that time off and then there was a little bit of uncertainty as to whether they would come back um, and then they weren't training a lot so the Netherlands quad this year didn't do so well um, you take Kettle Borsch in the Norwegian uh, men's skull he was umming and ahhing whether he would carry on or not he waited and waited and waited wasn't doing a lot of training in the end he decided to and he was at the back of the A final Olympic qualification is next year and these guys can't afford to do that. Mm. So what you're going to see is a lot of lot of people that have got a whole new season's training behind them and that will push up the standard. So results will be different next year. And I think, you know, the British team were very hungry for success. They got back into training early. And I think that's why you see them at the top of the medals table. Mm. Yeah, by New Zealand's high standards, a pretty sort of underwhelming uh, world rowing championships. Um, what did you make of the New Zealand team, and what was um, I don't know what what was sort of the what was the rationale perhaps behind it? What did you hear? Well, I think where you look at Prendergrass and Williams um, that took the gold medal in the women's pairs, I mean, they are so outstanding. They were some really good um, crews in that event, and um, they rode so well. It was very close between them and the Romanians early in the season at Lucerne, but, you know, they had that block of training together back in New Zealand, and and, and so that was amazing. I think, you know, the men's pair, uh, two guys from the New Zealand eight, that won gold, um, they came over with so much promise in um, the early season regattas. They won in Poland, uh, they they won in Henley, but really very, very disappointing, six in the final. And I kind of don't really understand why they weren't closer up to the medals in that event. Mm. I think they were kind of being a little bit brutal on the boat. 
whether they'll stay together, I don't know. Uh, Jordan Parry in the men's single, I thought did a fantastic job. He's so much better than he was in Tokyo, where I think he finished at the C final or something like that. He was fourth place, just out of the medals. He will come good again. But then you had another New Zealand gold medalist in the men's, from the men's A, in, in sort of the men's quadruple skull, uh, Phil Wilson. And that boat was finished in the C final. That's way off of Olympic qualifying standard. And I'm not sure that's a project that's got too many legs on it. I think, you know, if New Zealand go for a, a sweet boat again, like the men's eight, I think that would be good. You need to finish in the top five for Olympic qualifying. They've got a big job in front of them. Um, and the women's four, well, the, the women's four is there or thereabouts. They they uh, well, finished eighth. They'll need to finish, I think, in the top top five or six to qualify for the Olympic final. That's definitely not beyond them. But there's a real job for New Zealand rowing now because, as you say, the results were, considering Tokyo, relatively disappointing. But then, you know, it's the first World Championships after an Olympics. Mm. Uh, Caroline Florin, the uh, single sculler out of the Netherlands, beating Emma Twig, Twig the Olympic champion from Tokyo, but admittedly this was her first major competition due to injury, due to COVID. But you, even so, you do sort of sense the changing of the guard here. How good is the Dutch athlete? Um, I I think that the Dutch sculler has been the sensation of the season, really. She's won every single race that she's come up against by clear water. And, you know, it was such an eagerly anticipated clash between Twiggy and, and Florine. And... Um, I, I do think that Emma had been hampered. She came over to Europe and she had COVID, so she couldn't race at Henley or at Lucerne. And, you know, I, I think she needed some flat-out racing in her legs to be at her best. There, there was a really exciting moment where Twiggy started moving back in the middle of the race at Florine, and then Florine just let her come to about wow. half a length and, and, and then shut the door. Um, I would say if you're hoping that Emma Twig might win gold in... Um, uh, in Paris, there, there's still a pretty good chance of that happening. Um, I, th- I think, you know, with, with the focus that next year's Olympic qualification is going to bring, should be right up there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, make no mistake, Florine is a new star of the sport and, and she's a, a tougher opponent for Emma Twig than any that mm-hmm. Twig has previously faced. Yeah, it's quite it's quite bizarre um, when you talk about qualification for the Olympics next year, particularly with Tokyo only being last year. But again, that's what happens with COVID and the Tokyo Olympics being delayed by a year. So can you just take us through how the rowing qualification works? What is the major regattas next year in terms of countries securing their spots for Paris? Well, the, the tension ramps up for the World Championships. It is the most tense World Championships you know, in in the um, four yearly cycle, rowers a, a number of boats will qualify depending on their position at the World Championships. So, for example, in um, the men's and women's eights, the top five eights will finish. The six eight um, won't go through. In in something like uh, the lightweight men's and women's double skulls, uh, you will have which the two New Zealand boats are in. You you will have the top seven boats through. So. Six in the A final will qualify, and then the first crew in the B final, the seventh place crew, will get an Olympic qualification slot. And what that means, Mark, in, in terms of all the events, is it it matters more to federations that they get a qualifying place than they get a medal. 
and and it makes the semi-finals where those you know places in the A and B finals are at stake. It makes them so tense, and you can feel the tension dripping out of all the coaches and the athletes at those qualification regattas. There is a last chance for um, other crews to qualify, and that's the so-called regatta of death, which happens at Lucerne. And as far as New Zealand crews are concerned. Um, that's where you have a last chance to qualify. It's it's where the eight qualified in 2021, the New Zealand men's eight, because they finished sixth in the 2019 World Championship. So they had to go to the regatta of death, which they ended up winning. Um, there are some other regional qualifications. So if you are from Latin America or if you're from Asia, you do have those regional qualification opportunities. And that's the chance for rowing to get its universality up. So to get small nations, I don't know, like um, like Chile or Indonesia, a spot in the Olympic Games. So it's much more difficult now to qualify if you're from Europe or North America or Australia or New Zealand because you are all in together and you have to go through either the World Championships or the Regatta of Death. So it's so difficult now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with the single skulls, I mean, we saw in the kayaking last year that you're allowed more than one boat um, from one country for the first time in kayaking. What's the ruling around the Olympic Games? Can New Zealand potentially have two single scholars or the UK, or is it still just one country, one boat? No, it's it's one country, one boat. I, I think, you know, the IOC is so careful now to try and get a lot of countries represented in the Olympic Games. So rowing, you know, it, it tries to use the events with, with just one competitor like the single skulls or a couple like, you know, the pairs to, to increase its universality. So it doesn't really want two competitors from New Zealand or, or two from Great Britain. It, it would much rather have, um, you know, one, one competitor from Great Britain and then allow the, the place for another sort of small nation, you know, like Vanuatu or Benin or, um, or, or, or Chile. So, so it, it bumps up its universality, which keeps it, sweet with the Olympic movement which is such a key thing now mm. and, and Martin any changes to the programme for Paris still the same number of events same number of boats yeah that's a great shout there have been a small number of changes Rhodes, I think it's is it the third biggest sport in the Olympics it used to have over 550 athletes I think that athlete number has gone down for Paris now so there'll be less boats in some of the categories for rowing um, which is, I think, a trend, you know, when new sports come in, the IOC are looking to, you know, keep their athlete numbers stable around about 10,000 for the whole game. So Rowan's had to lose some of those slots. So some of the events have lost uh, entries. But by and large, unless you knew that, you, you, you wouldn't, uh, you could watch the Olympic regatta and, and not notice it. Mm-hmm. So um, the big change for rowing, of course, will come in. Probably 2028. Um, the course there is 1,500 metres in Los Angeles, and rowing's made a special exception to race that distance rather than 2,000. And it looks like we, we're not 100% sure, but beach sprints, where you know um, it's, it's kind of like coastal rowing uh, on on the sea, uh, will come in as an event to replace the lightweight men's and women's doubles, which will impact New Zealand a lot, I think. Mm, yeah, we have. It's been the small boats in the last 20 years that have given us a lot of Olympic success. And 
uh, certainly a lot of Olympic glory. Look, the New Zealand team, I guess, or the New Zealand rowers have the benefit now of coming into a New Zealand summer, train here, national championships, uh, regional championships. What does it mean for the Northern Hemisphere country? What do the Great Britain rowers do over the next sort of four or five months? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting talking to some of the coaches. I mean, I, I talked to one of the coaches of the Portuguese and said, you know, I was, he said, I was just going to give him a couple of weeks off, but then I decided, no, I'll give, give him an extra three weeks off and then, you know, come back to training. So um, the, the the British crews and the, the, the crews from nations like Germany and France, they go back into this long-distance, low-intensity training, a lot of time in the weights room. They'll, be, they'll have their three weeks off and then they will come straight back at it. it you know, the, the, the pressure... I can't really emphasise this enough. The pressure for this last year is, has been nothing like it will be for the Olympic qualification year. So you'll, you'll see that you'll see the athletes um, go into this long distance training. Um, you'll, you'll see them maybe challenge, you know, new athletes coming up. And so uh, I think in Great Britain, particularly, they have a whole host of athletes on the bank that want to challenge the. Guys that won Olympic gold, uh, that won World Championship gold medals. So there'll be quite a lot of competition for places in the assessments, and, there, and there'll be two or three assessments before Christmas, and and you know that gets quite tense for the rowers as well. So they're going to enjoy their three weeks off, but then they're you know they're back into the melting pot. Well, Martin Cross, lovely to catch up, lovely to have you on the programme. Well done at the Rowing World Championships. Uh, it certainly came across very well here in New Zealand. And, um, yeah, let's just hope we get the English Premier League back underway and good luck with England naming of its World Cup squad and the World Cup of football. Uh, thanks, Mark. That's been great talking to you as ever. No, Lovely to have you. Martin Cross there, international rowing commentator.